Hi there, and welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry, and when I was 14 years old, I started making stop-motion animations in my bedroom using my grandpa's old camera. Ever since, I've been obsessed with everything to do with animation, and right now, I'm a student at Sheridan College. I created this podcast to connect with and learn from some of the biggest names in the industry, their best practices, the hardships they went through, and what to focus on to make it in today's changing animation world. It's my hope that by sharing this info that you too have the best chance of success. Now let's get started. Today I am chatting with the amazing Humberto Rosa on how he became a lead animator at Sony Pictures Imageworks, where he recently completed work on the Academy Award winning animated feature Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Humberto is originally from Buenos Aires, Argentina, where he studied animation in his hometown and completed the feature animation program at iAnimate.net. And while he's got a background in traditional 2D animation, Humberto has also worked in advertising, television, and the gaming industries as a freelance generalist and 3D animator before he made the move to Canada to work in feature films. And currently, his Imageworks credits include Storks and The Emoji Movie, plus he recently won a VES award from the Visual Effects Society for his work on Miles Morales in Into the Spider-Verse. So, Humberto, first of all, congratulations on the VES, um, and how are you doing? Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm doing uh, doing good. Thanks for asking. Happy awesome. to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to chat with you. Um, and I got a whole lot of questions about Spider-Verse to ask you from fellow students of mine. But before we get into them, I want to know a little bit more about your journey on how you got here and what got you interested in animation in the first place. Cool. Um, yeah, I think um, definitely the, the short answer is drawing. Like I, I've always, uh, I've drew my whole life. I always consider myself um, uh, an artist, and strangely enough, I ended up working in 3D, and I don't really draw for a living. Um, but I always, um, since a little kid, I was a little kid, I, I would draw everything I could find, and that's how sort of what I built my um, identity on. Like I know how to draw. This is who I am. Um, what kind of things were you drawing? Were you drawing like TV show stuff or just anything? Yeah, I uh, I think I started just copying everything I could see. I, I liked um, a, lo a lot of, of TV shows. I did do a lot of Dragon Ball Z, um, just straight up copying what I was seeing on screen, um, which is great because there was so much like, maybe over stylized, but a lot of anatomy on that, that like kind of trained, uh, I think if you draw that kind of stuff, it trains your brain into thinking about human anatomy uh, a bit more than if you're doing like, uh, I don't know, Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I, I, I started copying everything I liked uh, on TV, like um, Looney Tunes and, and even like Disney movies. Um, and eventually just that led uh, on to just doing my own stuff and trying to apply that into um, my own kind of characters. Did um, you like create your own little TV shows and stuff when you were a kid? I did. I, I wish I had any of that still. Yeah. Maybe my mom does. Um, but yeah, I, I did create like a, a bunch of weird characters. Um, and I had like my little um, sort of fake comic books and, and um, episodes and stuff. Um, but yeah, those were not that much successful, I would say. Um, I, I did find more success when I was doing... Um, you know, stuff that people knew. So people were like, oh, this is really good. When I did my own stuff, it was like, oh, it's all right. <laughs> um, oh, no. 
but uh, yeah, so I feel like that that was my my um, my entry, I guess my entry drug to animation. I was I knew I wanted to draw. I knew um, I was interested in that, and I knew I liked anime. I didn't consider it like a proper career choice at the time. Like it didn't feel like something real that people did for a living. Um, but I did know I wanted um, something related with drawing. Um, and then I kind of grew up and I became terrified of drawing. Um, so I feel like a lot of the choices I ended up making were just to, um, out of insecurity, um, if that makes sense. Um, you, you mean like terrified that like you were scared of failure type of absolutely, thing? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because like I, I was always good at it, um, which I don't know if that happens to everyone, but in, in my experience... I feel like I it's a pretty common, common shared experience. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, like, it, it, I was a little kid who was good at it. So, like, every, um, most grown-ups I would come across, they would be like, oh, yeah, this is very good. When, when you grow up, you're going to be an amazing artist. Oh, when you grow up, I want to be your manager. I'm going to, whatever, save this drawing you just did. Because when you're famous, I'm going to sell you. It's just stupid. You know, right. it's, it's, meant, it's meant to be a compliment. It's not meant to be anything else than that. But that piles up over the years. And once you're a bit older and the actual um, choice of a career became a real thing, all this sort of pressure became a real thing too. It's like, oh shit, now I have to live up to the expectations of all these um, people. Like that lady saved my drawing to sell it when I'm successful. Now I have to you know, do something <laughs> with my life. Um, and, and I wasn't like, I, I never really studied um, drawing. I, I just did it because I was kind of intuitive with it. And, uh, so when I, when I was like around yeah, 18, 19 and, and really thinking about, do I want a career in this? I didn't have like proper training. So I didn't feel like I was prepared enough for it. Um, which is also dumb. Cause that's like, uh, I don't know, that, that's the time where you start getting training. It's not where you should know every secret uh, about the craft. Um, but I was just, uh, I, when, when it became real, it, it stopped being a hobby, I guess. It stopped being something I enjoyed. I, I, every time I, I did it, I had the pressure of like, oh, this is not good enough. This is never going to be good enough. So I took a little, little detour. Um, as, as, and as soon as I finished um, high school, I started studying advertising, which didn't last long. And I realized I didn't want that at all. Um, so but I did work. Like a year or two of that? Yeah, a year and a half, I think. And I worked as a freelance um, um, storyboard artist for ad um, agencies. Um, and I worked as a uh, like just art direction assistant uh, in, in, in some production companies working in advertising. Um, so I got, like, I studied it and I, I realized I didn't like uh, I, I didn't like it from, like, a theoretical point of view. And I, I, and I worked on the industry a bit and realized I didn't that, like that industry either. Um, but everything I learned from those, I think it was a, a, almost two years. Uh, like I dropped out of school earlier, but I kept working for another six months or something. Um, and everything I learned from that, I did end up um, putting to use because I, I worked as, a, as an animator for advertising for a long time after that. Um, but basically, when, what I said before, like I feel like a lot of the choices, the career choices I made throughout the years until I realized I was doing that, were just out of insecurity. It was just out of, I'm scared to do something uh, that I don't know. I'm scared, like I think I want this, but it's scary, so I'm gonna do this other thing, which is less scary, and I feel like I can, I can manage. Um, and 
luckily that didn't deviate me too much from my um, actual goal. But but looking back at it, I, I, I kind of feel pretty um, dumb <laughs> about just not noticing that every choice I was making was just like out of being scared of doing what I really wanted to do. Um, right, but I, 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 I mean, I very much have that same sentiment. And I don't think you should feel dumb. It's more like you needed to go through that state to get where you are now and take it seriously. Like that's something I experienced too, going to business and having the insecurity of never wanting to do art because it was too scary. And now I'm finally tackling it too. Like, so that resonates a lot with yeah. me. And, and um, I, I mean, I can't tell you not to feel dumb, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was fair enough. Yeah. Um, so, so how did you reach that point where you were like, you know what, I'm going to take this seriously. Like what kind of emotional or does something happen or, you know, did you meet somebody? How did you change mindset about this? Yeah, that was totally um, during, I, I studied in, in iAnimate um, and right. iAnimate was like my big change in, in mindset um, to the point where like I, I, I suffered through it. Like I almost, I wanted to quit animation while I was doing it. Um, like it wasn't an easy and, and lovely experience, but in the end it did teach me that, that doing what I wanted was harder. Um, because basically, I I was never like I had worked for about I guess five, four or five years in Argentina, um, mostly as a freelance, um, as a freelance generalist, um, and again, my mindset of I don't really want to do the things that that are too hard was well, I'm animating right now. I'm working as an animator. I don't feel my level is up to the um, you know it, it's where I want it to be. But maybe if I just do this for like another 10 years, eventually I will be like, I will have 10 years of experience. So whatever, I can just keep doing this. Um, and that's not how it worked at, at all. Like you can, you know, kick a ball against a wall every day for 10 years. You know, you're not going to become, you know, messy. Sorry, that was the most Argentinian example I could ever have given you. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know what, what's a more uh, international uh, sports example. But uh, anyway, right. let's say. <laughs> well, we're but, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't know any hockey man. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it, it's Wayne Gretzky. What was that? Uh, not even Wayne Gretzky. Sorry, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, 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 I sincerely apologize. I've been living in Canada for almost four years now, and, and I have no knowledge of hockey. Like, I went to one uh, hockey game, uh, and I, I, I don't even know the rules. So yeah, I, I, okay. I'm right. Too much of an Argentinian to know anything other than, than football. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, my point was like, I, I had that, that idea that if I just did, like if I stay within my comfort zone and the little things I knew how to do and just, you know, uh, project that over the years, eventually I'm going to be great. And, and that's not how it works at all. Um, but I did have that goal of eventually like, okay, someday um, maybe I'll work in feature films. Someday maybe I'll do this. Uh, you know, I will be at the level that I want to be. It's just not going to happen overnight. And so I just have to keep doing it so i enrolled in iAnimate kind of with that idea of like uh animation is not that hard to me i'm doing things that i feel comfortable with i'm just gonna take this course which is you know taught by people who are actually working on the movies that i wish i wish i was working on and just get the knowledge from them get better and, and move on like i didn't uh think of it as a big challenge um and then i started on it and it was a huge challenge because like, I don't think I had ever, like no one had ever challenged me 
to like do my best possible work before. Because um, I studied animation in Argentina, but I studied um, it's well the the, the Argentinian um, educational system is a bit different from the, from the U.S. But let's say I went to college, which is kind of similar to. Um, so I did take I, I did go to school for animation, but it, it, it's one of those programs where you get like the whole picture, right? And your, your end thesis is like doing a short film. Um, so you don't meet the animation needs to be um, decent. Um, uh, you know, it, they're not pushing you to be like the best possible animator you can possibly be. They just want you to make a short film that that's presentable in, in, in every sort of um, department. Uh, and and so I did. Uh, and I, when I was working, I was working in advertising and, and some TV stuff, which is a different kind of challenging because it's usually quantity over quality. As long as the quality is okay, you know, they will usually prioritize you meeting deadlines, which are already pretty tight. So it's not about doing amazing work. It's just, it's about doing consistently acceptable work um, on, on, on a tight schedule. So by the time gotcha. I got to, uh, to animate, I thought I, I knew how to do the whole thing. I thought I, I, I only needed like to put my mind to it and, and get a little bit extra practice. And it turned out it, it, that wasn't the case at all. Like they were really pushing me and I, like my first assignment, I, I was struggling to barely meet um, the minimum. Um, and, and it got like really frustrating really fast. And what, my first what reaction, so sorry, let me just do a little yeah, recap. No, so you, you went to animation school and you, you know, you came out with uh, a very generalist uh, skill set and you made a short yeah. film and you thought, you know, <laughs> this is, I really like to animate. And so you started your, uh, you had like a five or four or five your career as a freelancer working for advertising studios and whatnot and their animation was a little bit easier because there there was just a certain quality threshold and you kind of passed that and then after that it was just quantity that you had to produce so yeah. then you went to iAnimate and your first assignment what was that first assignment that you feel like you were just meeting the minimum requirements because it sounds like you had a pretty good like a lot of experience, professional experience, and as well like developed skill set from school. So, what was what was that first project that kind of grilled you? I don't, I don't think that that first assignment was in itself like I think it was just like a, a um, like character pacing from side to side. So basically, you got like uh, in character with some ex uh, um, um, uh, emotion, just walking side to side and just looping that, which is doesn't sound like a hard thing at all. Um, but I was aiming like I wanted that to look like uh, like a freaking Pixar movie, you know. I wanted that to be like, oh yeah, this is like I've never had the time to actually polish something to the to the level of it looking like Disney. Uh, but now I do, so I'm gonna do it. And when I tried it, it failed completely. And I I wasn't used to doing a lot of very um, anatomical characters either. Like a lot of the stuff I was doing in in, in ads was just. Uh, you know, cartoon characters with a lot of squash and stretch. Sometimes, like, this is a little animated drop of detergent talking. It's not like a physical <laughs> complex being with all right. these controls and all this anatomy. Um, that you know, you, you can cheat a lot of things when when you don't have that much structure in in a design. Um, and as long yeah. as your spacing and timing, you know, are, are um, nice to look at, you can get away with a lot of stuff that's really wrong structure wise. Um, but if you start messing up the structure of a very anatomical looking character, 
then yeah, it just, it just looks wrong. It just looks like broken, and and you know, you need to um, feel like the anatomy is is, is connected. Um, and yeah, so I I I think I had high high hopes for my own performance as well. Like I was really convinced that as soon as I could get the time to just not think about anything else but the quality of the animation on, on, on a shot, then I would just do it and it would be great. Um, and, and it turned out to be the opposite. Like I was putting so much pressure on me doing an amazing job that it ended up being super hard. It was, it was hard to begin with. Um, and I was just frustrated that I couldn't do it um, as, as well as I wanted to. Um, and yeah, and that led me to, the, to basically almost wanting to create animation. Um, because I, I, before I animate, um, I basically quit my job so I could be a full-time freelancer to manage my own schedule so I could take I animate freely. Because in Argentina, because of the time zone difference, uh, the classes were like at 2 a.m. in the morning or something. Oh my God. Um, yeah, so, so I really wanted to be able to take advantage of it. And if I had to wake up at 8, you know, after having taken a lesson at 2 a.m., and then work all day and come back and do my assignments. And I, I knew I wouldn't be able to just squeeze every last drop of, of knowledge out of it. So I quit my job and I went full, uh, full-time freelancer so I could just manage my own schedule and you know work at night if I needed to and just uh, do my own thing so I could prioritize um, I animate. Um, and and I, I wasn't you know doing anything that I felt was worth it. I, I felt like I was not taking advantage of it at all. Um, and I realized that I started doing a lot of um, like scripts for the rigs and posted, posting them on the website and like mods of the rigs and like helping out classmates because like whatever, someone was doing a shot with, with a character wearing a suit and the character didn't have a suit. So I would model a suit and rig it and give it to them. And like I was spending all my time doing stuff that wasn't animating. It was technically <laughs> I animate related, so I couldn't feel, I didn't feel guilty like I was procrastinating, but it was definitely not animating my shot. I was just wasting time doing other stuff to feel like I was, you know, oh, I'm doing all this I animated stuff, and, and I really wasn't. Um, so eventually, like, I, I, I didn't do it, like, I think I spent a good couple of months doing shots that I was not happy with, um, and, and looking at other people's work, and everyone else was doing an amazing job. Because you were helping them. um maybe um but yeah so i i I got to the point where i was sitting at home not feeling like any like opening up my 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 maya file and uh just frustrated talking to myself going like why the hell like you could you you have the, the privilege of being able to quit your job put all your time into this this is the the thing you you say you wanted to do uh, you have time for it. You have like instructors who are working in the stupid movies that you want to be working on. They're giving you the knowledge. Like, why are you spending your time doing a tie for someone else's shot? Like, what? Clearly, I'm not an animator. That was my uh, train of thought. Like, if I have everything I need laid in front of me, and I don't feel like doing it, then I'm clear that this is not what I'm meant to be doing. This is not um, my thing. Um, and it took me a couple of weeks of just being in that sort of mindset of just being frustrated and thinking about doing something else um, to realize that whenever I posted like 
a script on the website, people will go like, oh, wow, you can script. That's amazing. Look at you. And whenever I posted my animations, people will go like, yeah, that's great. You can change this. You can fix that. <laughs> and I was just, you know, um, just hungry for a, for a pat on the, on the back. You know, I was just trying to get someone to tell me I was good at something because I was just frustrated with, with, with my animation not being good enough. Um, and, and when I realized that, first of all, I, I felt like utterly uh, embarrassed and dumb, but I, I, it kind of unlocked, it, it, it unlocked my brain in a lot of ways. Like I realized uh, basically all of, all of this that I was saying before, like how much throughout my entire artistic career, I had just been taking choices, making choices out of insecurity and just like shaping my path at, by avoiding what I felt was too challenging or too difficult. And then like moving on to this side, oh, well, this is a bit more comforting because I can do it and it's not as hard. And, and I still had the, the ambitious goal in mind, but I never really took a proper step towards it. Um, and I feel like I animate because it was such a, uh, such a, like it was a thing that I couldn't avoid. Like I knew I wanted to do it. I knew it was the best chance I had of a proper education from Argentina without moving abroad. Like I, I knew I had all this uh, sort of um, things that I needed from it um, that I couldn't just get away from it. And, and it led me to sort of that realization. And, and that moment when I realized, holy shit, like I'm just procrastinating, just trying to get someone to tell me I'm good at something instead of actually getting better at animation. Um, that changed my entire sort of approach to, to art, I would say. Um, and my, I think that was by the end of like my first workshop with them. All of the work I did on that workshop, like it was good enough to like move on to the next workshop. But I, I, I think it's just average at best. Um, the first shot I ever did um, after that moment wasn't the, the real that got me into Sony. Like it was that big of a change um, that I was able to just um, not worry about insecurity and not worry about, oh, I might not be good at it or not worry about anything else, which is actually, you know, taking um, the information, taking the classes that I was taking, think about my, my shot and not think about, oh, this is the shot that's going to be on my, like, I, I don't care about anything else. I just care about the work that I'm doing and making it work. Um, and yeah, that was a huge, huge, um, game changer for me. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that sounds, that sounds really amazing because, uh, I mean, I feel it a lot of the time insecurity with art and I get, I get a lot of people saying the same things, um, because you are putting some of yourself out there and, and, you know, feeding off the likes on Instagram and whatnot does bring yeah. some sort of happiness. <laughs> um, but I think it's really interesting that instead of choosing what you were getting external validation for, like the um, when you were working on, uh, you said the rigs or the the, yeah, the script, yeah, was, sorry. Because, exactly, um, yeah. you know, I can see one path where you're like, well, people think I'm good at scripts, so I'm going to specialize in that. But you wouldn't have gotten into character animation if you did that. So, yeah. um, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that if I had, like, taking a, uh, a workshop on scripting, I would be frustrated that I'm not scripting as good as everyone else. And I would be posting my animations, <laughs> hoping people right. would go like, oh, wow, you're great at animating. Um, but yeah, that, that was, yeah, I, I, 
that was my first thought. Like I thought maybe like I'm I'm doing all this rigging stuff. Maybe I'm a rigger. Maybe like I do like right. animation. I want to work in the industry and just not an animator. Um, but but yeah, I feel like that's one thing that's been consistent though throughout my uh, my artistic career, which is I I've liked a lot of things. I've done a lot of things. I um, I mean I worked with a generalist, but the one thing that I always that like that, that I never got bored of was animation. Um, I like I have my ups and downs with like rigging and scripting and and modeling and I'm always drawing and I have some times where I'm drawing more, drawing less, but I'm always uh, I'm never bored of animation, which is kind of what led me to understand that I was an animator. Like I, I never don't feel like animating, except for that one time that I I animate. I never don't feel like animating, um, which is uh, yeah, that was my 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 reason for saying okay, no, this is this is my thing, animation. I, I like all these other things, and I do some scripting at work. Sometimes I do work with pipeline, um, and and I do enjoy it quite a bit. But it's I know I'm an animator just because I I it's the only thing I don't get bored of. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's great, and the realization of what you want to do is something that I mean, it's it's kind of the dream to also understand that and then work on that. So uh, being in the animation kind of industry and being surrounded by other people who aspire to be animators, it's it's like a very common theme because it's such a hard industry to get into and the technical skills you need take a long time to to really work at. So if you become bored, then you kind of just drop out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how you got Sony because you finished iAnimate in 2014, and then you got picked up by Sony pretty much right after that. So yeah, yeah. can you share how you how that went? Yeah, it was actually, uh, it was much easier than I ever um, expected it to be. Um, but basically, yeah, I got my iAnimate reel uh, ready, and that same year I went to um, CTN Expo in Los Angeles. And I showed my reel, like, it was the first time me showing my, my I animate reel around. Um, and I basically just um, shoved it on everyone's faces. Like, hey, here's my reel. Like, whoever I would run into, I was just showing it. Um, and they do have, like, recruitment boot, boots. Um, so right. I showed it to, like, every big studio that, that was, uh, that had any uh, recruiter in there. Um, and I think I was lucky because Sony was hiring, like, crazy for crunch time on Angry Birds. Um, and I think they were starting to sort of build up momentum um, for a few shows that they had lined up. So it was a good time um, to show them work because they were really hungry for, for, for new people. Um, so I showed, showed them my reel, <clears throat> which, So you, by the way, you were in Argentina at this point still? Or I, you was, yeah, I, I was living in Argentina. I, I, yeah, I flew, I flew down to LA just for the um, for CTN, um, right. but I was still living in Argentina. Um, and by the way, like the the I don't know if that made a difference uh, for my interview or not, but with the recruiter, like one of the things that that stood out was that I was also a rigger. Like the fact that I mm. animated, but I was also a rigger. She was like, "Oh, this is interesting. Let me give you my call." Like that was um, a, a sort of a selling point. Um, which, yeah, in in a way that I can come back to that afterwards. But like, I feel like a lot of the things that I chose because I didn't want to do the thing that I wanted to do, ended up actually helping out. Like all of my advertising past uh, was knowledge that I used in my animation day by day. Um, and I like a lot of stuff that I learned as a, as a generalist paid off um, to, to land me a job as an animator as well. 
um, which is lucky because you know I could have spent my time doing stuff that wasn't really um, helpful for animation, but it ended up being pretty right. helpful. Um, so yeah, so, I got an interview with yeah. Oh no no continue. Um, yeah, so I, I got an interview with them. Um, it was for Angry Birds at the time, um, and I I didn't think it did a really good job at it. Like um, I ended like I finished the interview going like oh, that was I guess all right. Um, but they did call me. They, they they made me an offer for Angry Birds. The problem with that was my visa wouldn't come out in time because um, they wanted me to start like right away, like I think um, in in two months or something, and. From Argentina, you need, uh, I think, at least six months to get all the paperwork done. Um, so I ended up re-interviewing for Storks. Um, and that interview went really, really well. Um, and I got hired for Storks. And I started, like, I think seven months after that. So I spent, like, another seven months in Argentina just freelancing. Um, right. And then I flew um, over here for Storks. Um, and that was a pretty... I mean, that was the, the beginning of everything, really, because um, that was Storks was my first feature. Um, and I was lucky enough, I think because of that whole like Angry, Angry Birds, Storks sort of mix up, um, I studied on Storks when it was a very small team. I think it was like 20 or something, um, which made it much more easier um, to get noticed. It's, it's a small right. team that you have a lot more, you know, one-on-one -on -one time with, with the director and the supervisors. Um, and it's not, you know, you're not a, a single small animator in a sea of a hundred and whatever um, doing crunch time, which would have been the case for Angry Birds. Um, so I think that was pretty lucky as well. I mean, not that I wouldn't have stayed in Sony if I had gone to Angry Birds, but um, I do feel like it was really, um, really helpful to just be on that small team uh, for Storks. Um, and I, I got along really well with the animation supervisor, uh, Josh Beveridge. He was the same supervisor for, for Spider-Man. Um, so that whole thing kind of played off really nicely. Because um, after Storks, um, he got me, like right away, he got me into doing the first early tests for Spider-Verse. Um, oh, because nice. he liked my, my, my work in Storks. Um, but again, that, that whole thing would have been, wouldn't have happened if I, if I hadn't been in Argentina, my visa was just uh, a mess to, you know, right. to get with. What were you? What was your role on on Storks when you first started there? Uh, I was an intermediate animator. Uh, animator. Um, so I don't think um, like your actual like if you're a junior or a senior in Sony, uh, I don't think it counts that much. As as long as you're doing good work, uh, you're, you're gonna get good shots. It doesn't limit you know the 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 kind of shots that you get. Um, so yeah, I was I was an animator. I did a, a whole bunch of um, uh, shots on it, and I did help out with a few um, sort of library um, work and and just designing stuff that they needed sometimes. Like, um, which is kind of in in a small percentage is, is kind of a, the work of a lead, um, you know, doing libraries for people and and um, establishing design rules and stuff like that. Um, so I did get like a little taste of that in Storks. Um, which I think it was just um, out of my own, like because I had a, a solid 2D background and, and, and drawing knowledge, I didn't find it as hard um, to basically think about 3D in, in 2D, um, which is kind of what you, I feel like really helps out a lot if yeah. you're if you're working, especially if you're working in a show that's stylized, like not being limited, not thinking limited by what the controls can do, but just what, what the design should be. 
um, is it's a major, yeah, it's a major plus. So I have like a, a million questions, but I just want to <laughs> rewind a little bit. So yeah. you created a demo reel coming out of iAnimate, but you already had kind of a portfolio and demo reel coming out of Animation School the first round, right? So what yeah. was the big difference in your two like demo reels? If you could line them both up and watch them, what would you say is, you know, what makes them so different? <clears throat> well, I think it's mostly um, all my pre-iAnimate stuff was very um, mechanical stuff. It was like this guy can this guy can move stuff in a way that it's believable. They have weight. If they are if they're cartoony, they have some interesting motion. But there was no real sense of character and performance in it. Mm -hmm. um, when my animate reel, I, I feel like the strong the stronger thing in it was. Um, was the acting choices and was just the performance. It like it was just, uh, other than being, you know, well executed or not. I, I feel like it was interesting because that's usually the thing that that helps land you a job the most. I feel as as a as a student, like if um if we're looking at reads for for um for Sony, like if you see someone who might not have the best um execution, but you have you know amazing ideas and clear understanding of character and what the who the character is and why they're doing what they're doing and like if you're delivering a, a line why is he or she saying that line and you know, have specific absurd mannerisms of how they move like that kind of stuff um i feel it was really present in my i animate reel and and absolutely uh, completely missing in in my older stuff i think my older stuff was just you know things moving moving in a in, in a entertaining pleasant way but you know it didn't go any deeper than that Gotcha. So it was like you have the technical skills, but not necessarily the fluidity of personality in your in your work, which is, I guess, yeah. really great to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Now, I, I just have uh, a question about the freelancing, um, just because I know I was talking to one of my classmates and they were interested in this. So how exactly did you go about picking up freelance jobs? Because, you know, you've had um, like more than a decade of experience of working kind of gig to gig. So how did you pick them up exactly? Yeah, that was, I feel like um, my own, like my Argentinian experience um, of, of freelance work might not be um, like a direct correlation to what, you know, Canada or the U.S. might be. Because um, I feel like it was almost exclusively like the norm for people to be working at studios and at the same time have some sort of freelance gig at the, uh, on the side, mm -hmm. um, so that that's how I got into freelancing. Um, I, I my first job as an animator, as a 3D animator, um, was in a small studio and like I was working with a couple of um, animators and they were all doing freelance stuff and they would be like, hey, I have this, uh, you know, whatever this this small show that I ha don't have time to do it. Do you want to do it? Um, it's just like it, it pays kind of okay and you can just do it like on the weekend. Um, and I started like, you know, layering a couple of those small gigs here and there as I was working on that studio, um, which eventually, like, I, I, I didn't do it um, in an attempt to become a freelancer or to build, you know, a, um, a list of clients or anything. <clears throat> um, but eventually I, I did get a few clients that knew me and I, I did get some experience doing it. Um, so when I um started doing more and more freelance um it kind of like I, I don't feel like i ever had to really 
um, fight for it. I mean, fight for like to, to get clients and to sell myself and to find people who wanted me to, to do stuff for them. I felt like with the stuff that I had already done, it sort of kind of fell into place and it wasn't that hard to find new um, clients. I did have to um, learn how to, I think the hardest thing for me was to um, learn how to be a freelancer in the sense of not letting uh, people just um, basically rip me off <laughs> and have right. me working way too much for way too little um, and basically learn to be a little bit of a producer um, um, to manage schedules, to actually know what what a decent schedule looks like and, and what's achievable, what's not, and to be able to project uh, uh, in, a, in a meeting like, hey, this is going to take way too long or you're asking for way too much or, or you know, to have that ability to um, anticipate how hard something would be or how long something would take um, and to be able to actually, you know, um, have a strong opinion about that. Uh, with a client, which sometimes can be pretty intimidating, especially if you're like a 20-something-year-old as I was, um, and, and you feel like you just need to say yes to whatever they're saying or they'll fire you. Um, right. So learning learning that I could actually just you know sit there and go like, no, this is how we do it. Like you, You're hiring me as a specialist, so you know, take my opinion and, and go with it. Um, that was a really hard uh, lesson, and I had to go through a bunch of like really tough, um, projects of very late nights and, and long weekends just because I didn't have the killing yourself yeah yeah do you, um, are you still just I didn't have the skill for it yeah are you still freelancing I'm not no I don't have the time for it um I yeah and I, it, it's weird though because like I I feel like once I got to Sony um I feel like in a way I was freelancing a lot, like I was overworking myself because I didn't feel like I was still getting where I wanted to, to be. And once I got into Sony, that sort of insecurity of like, oh, you're not good enough kind of went away in a, yeah. in, in, in a way. So I, I didn't have like the pressure of like, you're wasting time on a Saturday watching TV when you could be working, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, I so don't that... currently feel like that yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm still using everything <clears throat> I have to work away on this. Um, so I wanted to follow up with you about that from before. So do you feel like you reached your goal? Because before you said you wanted to work on feature films and stuff. And, you know, if you have, when when exactly did you feel like that? When is, was it when you first started working on Sony or or what? Yeah, I feel like my, that goal, like it, it keeps getting further and further as I go along. Like there was a time in my life where I could, like I dreamed of just working on feature films. Like, and I didn't even think that would be possible, you know, because um, that kind of stuff feels very distant from Argentina. Um, and I didn't even know if I wanted to live abroad like it is. Um, so getting to actually work on feature films in itself, that doesn't matter which one, um, felt like a big you know bucket list life achievement goal for me but at the same time like my first day at sony uh it felt like quite, a, quite the opposite like this is mm. like your first day now you have to actually do the work you, you haven't gotten anywhere i mean you, you did but at the same time um now you have to actually do it um and eventually i guess that goal became oh now i want to be uh one of the 
good animators in the show. I don't want to be one of the, you know, uh, one of the ones that's just doing like, I don't want to be getting crappy shots and just doing background characters. I want to be actually doing main characters. And that eventually happened. And, and like, once that happens, well, I want—I wish I was a lead. Or now I wish I was, you know, it, it keeps getting further and further away um, as I um, sort of reach it. Um, so I feel like I've reached past goals and I still have, you know, newer goals uh, in my mind. Um, so what's but, what's the newest goal? What are you working towards now? Uh, that's a that's a good question, actually. I feel like, well, my, my first, uh, I definitely want to try to recreate what Spider-Verse was um, experience-wise. Because mm. um, I, I learned a lot from it. I grew a lot um, during that show. And now that it's done, and now that like, the whole thing is kind of, um, you know, dissipating and, and I'm working on a new show, like it's hard to go back into the mindset of, okay, let's start from the beginning. This is a new thing, uh, you know, forget everything. I mean, not forget everything, but it's, it's a different style. So it's, you know, get Spider-Verse out of your head and move on to something else. Um, and I, I really want to be able to uh, not be locked in that one thing that Spider-Verse was, um, which I feel like can be really easy. Um, and I think I eventually want to try to do my own stuff. Uh, I don't know when I have the time for it, but I, I do have the long-term goal of eventually doing my own uh, either short film or whatever that is. Um, that something someday I'll create. I don't even have an idea for it, but I know I, I do want to be able to <laughs> have some um, further ownership on, on something. Yeah, I mean, that's, I feel a lot of people have that, you know, dream or goal is to do their own thing. Um, but I was going to ask what's preventing you from doing that, but you said time already, I guess. So yeah. Um, do you think you'll, you'll feel like you finally made it when those people that you gave those drawings to when you were younger sell them for a lot of money? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I mean uh, I have to check that they still have them. So uh, yeah. it would be very disappointing, you know. Once I come to them as, as a billionaire, go like, hey, you can sell your drawing now. Who are you? <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Um. So you know, as you were kind of upgrading your skill set and going from background characters to main characters and whatnot, what were the skills that uh or opportunities or or how how did you get from point A to B? How did you start with working on background characters to work on the main character like what did you have to do to get there other than have this really ambitious goal in mind but like was it a technical thing was it talking to the right person you know yeah that's a, that's an interesting question because I, I don't know at first um when i when i first started on storks um i mean i I started doing just, I think the first assignment they gave everyone on the show, because it was early on and they were still trying to figure out the characters. The first assignment was just do one action with uh, Junior, the main character, um, how, like, however you want it. They were just trying to get you know, ideas from people and, and have animators sort of pitch. Um, like they knew what, what the animation style overall was, but they wanted to try to get you know, um, interesting stuff from the team. So the first assignment was just like, I, I feel it was just getting, sitting on a couch or like something very generic like that, but however you want to do it. Um, and I remember I did quite a good um, job with that, um, just out of um, being creative. Like I, I don't even remember exactly what I did, but I know the reaction was like, oh, this is really interesting. This is something that we could actually use. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know if that's like, I don't have much of an advice for that. I was just 
very happy of being on a, on a show. I was just, you know, given the task of be creative, and I was, and I tried out an idea, and it, and it landed. Like, I think I've tried out many ideas on, on other occasions that didn't land, too. So that was kind of just a good, you know, combination of things. Um, and other than that, I feel like the... Um, because I, I started getting better shots and better shots and stalks, and I didn't really know what. I mean, it, I was doing good, good, uh, good work, uh, obviously, but I don't know exactly what led um, my lead and, and supervisor to give me best shots. Um, I can say about um, my own experience as a lead. Whenever I I saw someone who would plus a shot, I would try to give them give them. Uh, more stuff so I could do better stuff. So basically, if you have a shot that um, it's not necessarily entertaining or it's not necessarily a good shot and someone comes up with, with something that pluses it and makes it actually entertaining, even if it's a small thing, it doesn't need to be, you know, rewriting uh, the whole script. It's just like, oh, this is a very smart, whatever, acting choice. Um, just to give you like a, a quick example, um, in um in spider-words in aaron's um apartment where, where miles is visiting him um aaron is um heating up popcorn in the microwave um and there was a shot of aaron just taking the popcorn out of the microwave and it's just like the most boring shot you can think of which is a character taking popcorn out of a microwave um and the animator um leandro martins he, he was kind of he was new to the show i think it was one of his first shots um, and I knew he was very good, but he hadn't really shown a lot of like amazing work in Spider-Verse yet. He was kind of getting used to uh, our, our, you know, our tools and, and Sony itself and the movie. And um, and he came up with just like the most charming possible way you could take popcorn out of a microwave. And it was just dumb. Like it was dumb in a way that it was simple. You know, it wasn't a complex thing. Um, but uh, he just he made Aaron. Uh, almost kind of burn his hand with the, with the popcorn. So he took his hand out and then closed the microwave with, uh, by punching it with a fist, um, which is makes sense for a character that has a history of being um, um, a Muay Thai fighter. And he's secretly a bad guy who, you know, who, who fist fights Spider-Man. So it was like a nice little thing of like foreshadowing stuff in the film, getting to know the character and what he would do from his own backstory. And it was just like this tiny little thing um, that that it not only made the character more interesting, it made the shot interesting, and it made a whole action that otherwise would be really simple. Uh, it, it made it you know a, a, an actual great shot. Um, so I feel like that is the thing that at least to me as a lead would would tell me, oh, this guy needs more work. This guy needs to you know uh, be given the ability to expand on that. And I right, feel so I think that's that a might really have great been, example. Um, yeah, so I feel like that's what I tried to do as an animator um, and uh, what might have led um, me and Storks to get new shots. But that's, again, it's, it's hard to me to say because um, <laughs> I was just scared uh, shitless. <laughs> right, right. Well, that got you somewhere. Um, so let's, let's talk about Spider-Verse a little bit more because, you know, that's all of the excitement right now and it was an amazing movie got an oscar and all this stuff so you were you were the one of the lead animators can you just maybe go over your role on on what you were doing on spider-verse and what the day-to-day -day looked like and your team and all that stuff just for an overview yeah totally um so yeah i was a uh, lead animator uh one of the nine leads we had um and that means for spider-verse i think it kind of sony has uh 
um, sort of steered over towards that as a whole. But usually we didn't have character leads. We just had leads for sequences. So whenever a sequence in the movie um, was kicked off by the director, there would be one lead who would supervise that sequence. Um, in Spider-Verse, since we had so many different characters and so many different characters with different animation styles, and it was just hard to keep track of what's on model, or, you know, what's uh, the right workflow for the tools, for like uh, so many different things. We also had um, character leads, which means that you have someone who's the pinpoint person for a specific character, that and that um, lead will also populate the library, make sure that the character they can model, uh, make sure to do all like the training videos for um, for that specific character and the tools needed for that character um, and that kind of stuff. So I was um, character lead for Miles and, and a little bit of um, Peter. Um, and I was a uh, sequence lead as, as every lead. Um, luckily, like since I was character lead for Miles, I think I got, um, I was by design, but I got a lot of the sequences where Miles is just being um, himself. Um, so I, I got to um, be a lead on you know, sort of the opening sequence and him with, with his uncle and him was with his dad outside the school, like all that, all those moments of just Miles being, uh, you know, charming and, and you know, um, easy to sort of connect with. Uh, that was part of my my big job as a, as a lead uh, on the film. Nice, um, and, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask you what what was it like working with such a big team on these sequences where you have people, you know, animating background characters, people designing things, all this stuff. So, you know, how is managing that and motivating them and constructively criticizing them and you know all these things that are that that you are kind of leading? Yeah. Oh, that that's that was a tricky thing. Um, we had huge teams. Um, I feel like my way of managing the, the big team was just. Um, figuring out which, um, basically giving um, small, small supervising tasks for, to other animators. So like, if you, if I knew someone was really good at something, I would have him be the point or her be the point person for like whatever that was, and sort of start you know um, delegating and and sort of outsourcing part of the leading to some of the um, strongest animators on the team. Um, as far as motivation goes, I feel like. We, we didn't need that like Spider-Verse was such a was such an amazing project and everyone was just so stoked to be on it that I don't, I don't feel anyone needed much extra motivation than just you know being able to just animate on this um it, it's weird because usually I mean you, you do want to keep people motivated you do want to like if someone gets a lot of notes that mean like change everything you did um you, you do want to you know always try to have a, uh, a positive approach to that um, and, and try to help out the animators as much as you can. Because basically the work of a lead is to help the animators um, do the best work they can so you can help the directors by getting what, what they're asking for, right? You're just trying to um, get what the director wants and get what the supervisor is asking for and help the animator have all the tools uh, they can have to, to achieve that. Um, so you know, the, 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 more, the, the more of a positive kind of approach you can have, the better. I feel like I've always, um, I've never enjoyed when, when I'm working with someone and that someone is just complaining about whatever the notes we got. And I'm talking about like animators and even say like when you have lead and that lead might be like, oh shit, we, we got too many notes, but I don't agree with it. Like, 
I get what why that happens because I many times don't agree with some notes. Um, you might not um, be happy about some change that you might be getting. Um, but I feel like as far as staying motivated, the more you can just keep a positive attitude and just go like, well, we're making you know a movie, and we don't know the whole of it. Like we don't really know what's going on uh, in edits. We don't know what's going on through the director's head. Um, and we just have to make sure that whatever they're asking for, they know. They, we have to trust that they know what they're doing because um, they do. Um, and just not be um, sort of locked into the, the, the contained little space that your shot is and try to think about like the, the bigger picture. And sometimes that's pretty hard to do because you, you might get attached to the shot because you did something that you really liked and then it gets changed or cut you know, out of a movie. Um, but yeah, I feel like, Again, with Spider-Verse, it was easy to stay motivated because every time we got a screening, well, screenings were a bit trickier because we, we, for for some time the movie as a whole wasn't really working, but we all knew it was it was fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, and we all knew yes. like regardless if it's a good movie or not, this is gonna look great. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, that was still like yeah. So you, you, said it was, you said it was kind of easy to work on in a sense because it was so innovative and fun to work on. But I mean, you've had a very long career doing a lot of different things. Was there a big difference in kind of the collaboration and whatnot you experienced on Spider-Verse and other studios or, um, you know, where people were maybe not so motivated? And, and what did you do then? And I don't know, maybe you can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I feel like well, collaboration wise um, in Spider-Verse, it was pretty great because so much of the style was intertwined between animation and lighting and comp and like so many things um usually we're a bit more isolated like you do your animation you publish it and lighting picks it up and they light it like there's there's only a little bit of conversation but it's not like a constant back and forth kind of thing um in this case we're like publishing 2d lines that they had to light and they had to color in a way because we don't know the the final colors of the thing so we're coloring lines based on what we think the colors are, but then, you know, when, when you got final lighting, they had to understand what the purpose of those lines were. Like, there, there was so much conversation going back and forth. Um, that, that was pretty interesting and definitely very different from, from any other show I've ever been on. Um, and it took some time, like, it was interesting to me as well, because, like, our first reaction, or my first reaction for animation was like, oh, Lighting doesn't understand what we're trying to do in animation, and they're just they're just doing things and they're breaking our stuff. Um, and and after actually having meetings with with lighters and sitting and and you know, conversating and you know talking, it, I ended up learning so much about lighting, and I ended up like appreciating their work so much more than I ever did before. Um, mm. And I feel like they they ended up learning a lot of animation, and like it, it was you know it went both ways. Um, but by the end, it was pretty. Um, it's pretty cool to, to, you know, be on the show that really felt like our job didn't end after we published the shot, but we actually had to keep an eye out for lighting. And like, we trained them to see what we were trying to see and they trained us to know what we could and couldn't do. And uh, it was pretty interesting back and forth. I feel that that works uh, not just with lighting, but like layout and stuff like animation and tools with moving cameras is not an easy thing to pull off. So like we had to have the same, you know, meetings with layout and with cloth and, and CFX and everything that was simulations. Um, so it was it was a very, uh, yeah, intertwined kind of production, which is really, really rare. Um, and it was cool, it was, it was great. Nice, yeah, I mean, it, it, 
It's interesting that you say you still have to learn how to do all those things, even though Sony's, you know, a very established um, production studio already creating lots of feature films. So it, it sounds like the studio itself, like, you know, learned a lot about this process and hopefully the momentum continues and we keep seeing amazing uh, Oscar winning <laughs> feature films. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, I know yeah, I've I talked know, to but... other animators and uh, they're all like, I hear Sony's doing good things. Maybe I'll apply there. So you've probably <laughs> got an influx of applications since the release of yeah. Spider-Verse. They should. Yeah. Um, I don't know what Oscar is, but I, I, I can't talk about the stuff that's on, uh, that's being cooked, but I can tell you like it's, there's some really interesting stuff coming coming up too. Um, at least visually, um, I, I feel like they they learned the lesson from Spider-Verse and they're trying to do other uh, cool-looking stuff. So hopefully, yeah, that's new, awesome. I mean, exciting from stuff. from my perspective, uh, you know, animation kind of reached uh, a point of saturation almost, where it just becomes more and more realistic-looking. And mm-hmm. now, you know, Spider-Verse kind of changed all that by saying, "Hey, we have all these." amazing different styles of animation historically and from around the world let's let's do something put it all together and make it look amazing and work so yeah, yeah um yeah. so you know spider verse spider verse has you know got an oscar now and how is that whole experience of hearing it nominated and also you won a, a ves from the visual effects yeah. society Can you talk about you know when you first found out about that and how it felt and then going to accept it and all those things like can you share that experience (laughs) firsthand yeah i mean that was everything was pretty surreal um and then none of it was really expected um especially not when we were doing the movie like we're just trying to finish it which which was difficult enough already um so actually getting it done seeing it uh, like finished and and working so well and then seeing people like it so much and then like getting awards like that whole thing uh was was pretty unexpected um and seeing it you know seeing back uh, at it now it, it like it makes sense but like at Wait, the time, so you didn't you never like during working on it you weren't like this is this is looking really cool it's probably gonna win something not at all <laughs> you no, never had that I, thought you were just like let's finish this i was just overwhelmed with so much work oh, um, yeah. and 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 to be fair like i feel like there was a lot of risks in the movie and there were a lot of like so many different tones uh, living together. Like there were so many uh, ways it could not work. You know, so many ways it could just, you know, that final balance could break and it would just ruin it. Um, I feel like it spent most of, most of production knowing that it looked really cool, but just scared that it wouldn't work uh, mm. rather than saying, oh, this is going to be amazing. Mm. Um, I, I feel like, you know, usually you take a few risks and this felt like every single thing, every character was a different risk, which meant a different possibility of it not working. Um, and it's like, well, maybe the, the people who like the cool action stuff, are going to hate Spider-Ham or maybe the people who like, you know, Spider-Ham are going to hate, I don't know, the more, you know, down to earth dialogue moments or, and, and that whole thing, I, I could never really uh, bring myself to, to believing it would work uh, until I, I saw the finished thing. Um, and I feel in a way that was uh, kind of my own way of protecting myself from not being, um, uh, I guess, too sad if it didn't work. Because that thing, a similar okay. thing happened with Storks. Like I, I, I felt, I guess because Storks was my first feature as well, but I thought Storks would kill it. I thought Storks was amazing. 
it would like revitalize the, the industry. It was so great and Starbucks didn't do well at all. Um, and it was such a letdown uh, when Starbucks came out and like, you know, the, the reviews were like, meh. And you know, the numbers were like down and like, oh crap. And that felt so bad that I feel like out of just um, self, uh, um, um, yeah, just just trying yeah. preservation. There you go. Thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was just, you know, trying to convince myself there's there's many things in here that that people might not like. I love I love them. I think it's amazing, but people think otherwise. You know, it's 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 a whole new world once you release it to the world and the whole world sees it. Um, so, and and actually, I was like genuinely expecting. Uh, a more divided sort of um, reception. I, I generally I I couldn't see some people not being annoyed by by some of it because it's just too many different things. Too many. Usually people don't like whatever's uh, too different. You like you know a little bit of different, but too different just feels like alien and weird. Um, but yeah, luckily uh, it it worked and, and it worked from like every sort of angle because it, it's it's also a good story. Like it's not just you know, well executed and it looks cool. It's also it also works from from an emotional level, um, which elevates it. You know, and actually um, validates that the visual style holds up because otherwise you could just end up with like a very nice looking, okay movie, and and that wouldn't really uh, change much. You know. Yeah, that's fair. So, what one question that I kind of just thought of now was, how is it? So first of all, some context like. My Instagram has over a thousand people. So when I publish something there, the maximum amount of people that are going to see it are a thousand people. But like, what is working on something that you know is going to be seen by pretty much the entire world? Uh, like, how, what is that experience like? Like, as you're working on it, even if it, you know, even though Storks was not as successful as as it maybe people wanted it to be, like, still everybody saw the posters, everybody knew about it, millions of people saw it in theaters, like all this stuff. So how is it working on you know, you have that experience where you're doing something for freelance for a commercial or something and or doing your own thing that's going to be seen by a handful of people versus like pretty much everybody in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel like there's actually a line in the movie that, that got cut out of the movie. I think it's in the um, um, extras in the DVD of Peter telling Miles that he, he can't think about saving the whole world. He has to think about just saving one person at a time, uh, which is mm -hmm. kind of why uh, what I feel about this. Like, I feel like if you start thinking about how many people are going to be seeing it and how many you know um, how how big the scope of the thing is i at least for me that's very intimidating and that, that kind of um inhibits my uh creativity creativity in a way um i find to, that to me like the, the the most successful thing uh to get my best work out is to just think of the specific shot i'm working on and just you know, narrow it down to like the thing I'm doing at the time um, and not really get um, all the pressure of the entire movie, let alone like the entire world on it. Because um, even sometimes you might be working on a movie that you don't think it's it's that great, but you still want to make the best possible shot you can with, with you know, the shots you're given. Um, so that's how I, I, I tend to approach. Um, so you're not, you're not thinking like, I need to impress my supervisor or the director when they see this or the person sitting beside me. You're just trying to think what 
is best for this shot that I can make? Yeah, I, I, I found that usually whenever I try to actively impress uh, the supervisors, <laughs> I, I just do something that they hate. <laughs> um, it is, yeah, it's just, uh, I remember just, there was one time I, I felt like I wasn't doing good with lip sync. I don't know why, but I was just like, I felt like my weak point was lip sync. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to do the best possible lip sync I can. And I spent, I think, like two and a half days just doing lip sync on a shot. And I showed it and and Josh was like, yeah, this looks great. Just finish the lip sync and you're done. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, no. That's, which, you know, that's what you want to hear. <laughs> and my, my very professional self said, yeah, of course. Yeah, lip sync is super rough. I, I will just, I will get it done. Don't worry. And then I oh just cried gosh. in the corner for like a week. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I feel like whenever I'm really consciously trying to do something that will wow people, that usually doesn't work. I, I don't feel like that's the right um, approach, at least for me. Um, I feel like the the, the best uh, shots are the ones where I can just uh, freely try to think about what the, the character is doing, what he's thinking or what they're going through, and just shoot some reference um, and not be you know, not not force myself into anything, see what comes out, have a plan, discuss the plan as much as I can. Usually whenever I try to wow things, uh, wow people too, you will go further than you really need to. Like you you will say like, oh, if I show a blocking, maybe they, they won't understand how amazing it is, but if I show it done, you know, and, and I feel like the best thing you can do is just be transparent, talk with, with supervisors and leads and, and directors, you know, share your ideas, uh, and 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 that's usually when when, when everything works best. Um, otherwise, you just you're being a little bit. I, I feel like you're being a little bit. Um, uh, I guess egocentric by by yeah. thinking you can do something that's that's amazing so, and that, that they'd be impressed. Uh, yeah, instead of taking advantage of the fact that it's a, it's, a, it's a team and you have other talented people that might see that might have good ideas um, that you didn't even think of. So I feel that that's the best approach. Just no pressure. Uh, as, I mean, as, as much as no pressure as you can, and and share you know your early work as much as you can, and, and talk talk it through, talk it through with your peers, you know, have, have other opinions on it. Um, and if you feel really really strongly about an idea, and, and you feel like it's not landing with with your peers, you might still try to show it um, and see if the director buys off on it. Um, right. But other than that, I feel like it, the, the more you can be just open to other ideas um uh the better yeah um yeah and that kind of reminds me of something we chatted about earlier which was when you first started working on spider-verse you felt very much like it was the director's film but then as you continue to work on it as it came out that and and accepting the award too it kind of changed things so can you talk a little bit about you know how, how that why you thought it was the director's film and how it changed yeah yeah i feel like that was my my idea before Spider-Verse, in a way. Like, as an animator, you're not really working on your movie. You're working on someone else's movie. Um, I, I feel like that changed quite a bit in Spider-Verse because it was such a collaborative thing and because, like, so many of the things that we did in animation influenced even the script. Like, uh, it was such a uh, an, an ongoing... Um, sort of back and forth feedback between, you know, so many different departments that I feel like a lot of what the animation did and a lot of what animators did and what I did um, had a much bigger impact on the movie itself 
um, than um, than other shows, and and even like seeing that happen, I also I feel like Spider Verse was a very transparent production in a way. Like everyone, we, we were kind of aware of the ins and outs of what the directors were going through, what the, what the edit was going through, or like um, which I I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. But on other shows, I always felt very isolated. Like I was doing my thing, someone else is doing some other thing, and I don't know what's going on over there. Um, so I always felt pretty um, far from the end product. Um, and I I didn't realize how much um, the actual animation ends up influencing um, and changing story and edit and you know creating new ideas. <clears throat> um, so it did give me a, a big feel of um, ownership over over my work, and especially in Spider-Verse. Um, I mean, after, I, it's a weird way because um, winning the the award, I, it never felt like it was an award for me. I mean, I, my name is technically on it. It was shared with, with three other nominees, with Julie, who was a, um, another one of the anime leads, um, and she did most of the early development work in Miles, and then Chad and Marcos were like um, rigor, uh, rigging lead and modeling lead, because um, the, the award for, was for Miles as a character, so it was you know all the, all the leads of modeling, rigging, and animation. Um, and I never felt like that was my own personal um, achievement, because it was such a I mean Miles as a character is you know a, 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 the work of a lot of people. This is huge team that actually made Miles. Uh, who he is and and what he looks like, um, but but I do feel um, again because I was so um, aware of everything else going on in the production and what the directors were um, looking for and struggling with and trying to find and what the the story was what the iterations were going um, the fact that we were able to find like a lot of the stuff that we did with Miles influence his personality and we, we found a lot of miles in animation and that ended up affecting the script and that ended up affecting you know the movie um so yeah i i i, I went back on that feeling of not feeling uh a big ownership on 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 the movie itself and now i feel like i do have of course it's not my movie um but i do feel like i've played a, a bigger role and animation and animators have played a bigger role in it um that i previously thought they did Awesome. Well, yeah. Um, now I have a whole bunch of questions from my fellow classmates, but I one question I just want to ask before I get into them because some of them are quite funny. Um, what? So you were working on Spider Verse for over three years, and you went from and and it's kind of early on in your maybe more studio feature film career versus the, the like freelancing career. So like, what is the biggest thing that you learned over that time that you think uh, you know, really enabled you to take advantage of the opportunities and do your best and uh, become a lead animator? Like, what what do you think is the biggest thing that you developed personally or professionally or technically? Hmm. Um, well, I feel like um, the, the biggest difference, especially for my freelance years, like my freelance years were all about uh, giving, like setting boundaries for clients who wanted to ask for too much and and all my like most of my work was just saying no um and i feel like it took me a while to sort of wash that, that off as I, as I got into feature um and and sweater was 
and and you know being a leader is like is it was the ultimate just say yes to things <laughs> they want to try this weird thing that no one's ever done before you have no idea how to do it just go for it you know and 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 uh try your best um i feel like it, it kind of echoes back to that whole like anime thing we were talking about earlier uh where i i think back then i learned to, to sort of embrace the fear of doing you know unknown things and doing things that are really out of your comfort zone and scare you um and that's a good thing um and i feel like i, I really uh that was a big lesson from from spiderverse like doing uh stepping out of your of your comfort zone is is fucking scary and it's never comfortable and every time that you're doing something new, different, or even like uh, better than your current, you know, um, skill set. Um, if you're pushing your, your your own boundaries, it's gonna feel uncomfortable, and you're not gonna really know what you're doing, and it's gonna feel, you know, weird. Um, and there's a deceiving sort of uh, comfort in in you know stepping back into the things you do know how to do and just staying there. Um, but that's not how you. Um, get better you know that's just how that's how you stay in the same place over and over so um i feel like a, a big lesson from spiderverse was to, to embrace it to just know that's there and actually in a weird way uh i feel like i became like a little bit uh, um addicted to like the adrenaline of having something that's you know incredibly difficult and i don't really know how to do it and <laughs> that moment of uncertainty is kind of uh exciting <laughs> um but yeah, I feel like uh, I did learn to approach challenges uh, with a different attitude, I guess. Well, I think that's really great. And I definitely relate to that staying in your comfort zone thing because of, you know, a little bit of my story of staying in business and then doing animation now. And I think that's right. I think that's really good advice. Um, Okay, so I have a whole bunch of student questions. I've tried to condense them into uh, common questions, and I think I'll just shoot them <laughs> off. Uh, so first one, uh, how do you feel about Kingpin running from the front versus running from the side? Because he's like a, a wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Animated that. <laughs> that was, yeah, Kingpin was one of those weird characters. Where, like the, the cool thing about it was, like since he's just like a flat color, uh, anything that happened inside that silhouette it was kind of fair game you know because they, they would then light it as a light him as a flat color and they would like it did get lighting and stuff but like none of the you know wrinkles and deformations and weird things happening inside that shape really counted so you could do whatever you wanted um and it was definitely a tricky one i, I feel like the best approach to kingpin walking was to not show him walking <laughs> that was that was the 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 easiest possible way like he was in a weird way he was the trickiest to animate when he was doing um the most mundane things um mm. if you know if he was maybe fighting that wasn't it was still hard and it was still tricky to get him to feel intimidating and and, and have structure within a very um abstract kind of shape uh but just you know him going through a door like just weird and, and and always feels forced so if you see the movie i feel like most of the time we're just avoiding showing that stuff and just focusing on uh facial performance uh, and 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 a few physical actions but most of the time like 
if you see him like entering the room uh, on, on, on the reveal, like the first time you see him in, in the collider, there's like a close-up of the hand clicking the pen, and then there's like a shadow, and then you see his face, and you, you never really see him walking. Because um, he kind of like if he's walking downstairs, uh, it, it can look kind of goofy. Um, so I think the the, the best uh, kept secret is that yeah we don't we don't show him walking too much on a, on a front view or a side view uh, at all if we can. Um, and if we have to show him walking, I think the best way to do it is having to do some other action uh, which kind of draws your attention to it uh, instead of the actual walking. Um, <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was a weird one to animate. That makes sense. And uh, yeah, I can't think of any other characters that are just a wall that I've seen in film. So yeah, it sounds like a lot of problem solving. Um, next, uh, so I did get a lot of questions about like kind of the budget and constraints. Um, mm-hmm. This next question is, was the frame rate of the film because of the style or the budget? Oh, 100% because of the style. I think yeah. it didn't help the budget at all. I, I, I don't know the numbers, but it might have made it um, even more expensive. Um, I mean, we did have to like develop new tools and, and new publishing processes and, and like uh, a whole new bunch of stuff just to have it on twos and to be able to sim cloth and hair on twos. Um, so definitely not out of, um, uh, it wasn't cheaper um, and it wasn't easier. It was definitely harder and out of a stylistic choice. Uh, yeah, 100%. How did How did you guys come to the decision to say we want it to look slightly choppy, like not so smooth? <clears throat> Um, I think that that came out of um, the idea of pushing graphic uh, st- graphic style as much as we could. Like the 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 whole um, comic book um, uh, in- inspiration and the whole whole comic book look uh, was there from from the very beginning. Um, and we did have some character redesigns, um, and our old characters were a bit more not realistic looking, but I guess. Yeah, we are steered a little bit more towards towards realism. Mm. Um, so the twos was a way to um, break away from that, uh, to try to, um, if the idea was to have st- um, realistic, structured, um, anatomical looking characters rendered in a very stylistic way, then how can we make them move in a stylistic way as well so that it doesn't feel like it's a rotoscope kind of thing? Um, and twos was part of that idea and then it evolved into um you know bringing back some of the 2d aspects of it um some of the old 2d um sort of tricks and and the old 2d look and and that would you know be referencing um comic books because it's it's a 2d hand-drawn thing so trying to make it look like a 2d hand-drawn animation a little bit like adding a little bit of the texture of that and the flavor of that was um was why we, we put that in there yeah Nice, totally makes sense. My next question was actually, was the comic book type texture a choice from the beginning? So you just answered that too. Yeah, um, who is your, I know you animated Miles, but who is your favorite character to animate? <laughs> or oh, maybe I, I, if, I yeah, was going to no, say, I maybe am, if you only animated Miles, who did you want to wish to animate? Well, that is a good, uh, I'm 100% team Miles. I'm Miles all the way. I worked on Miles the most. I enjoyed Miles the most. I, I love him as a character. I loved animating on him. I loved like leading sequences he was on. Like I, Miles is, is my man. Absolutely, yes. I love Miles. Um, and I, I luckily like I got to animate him a lot. I did some. I, I animated one shot with one playing drums. I animated one shot with Peter, and I got to animate Stan Lee, which was a nice little treat. 
Nice. Yeah, um, I saw those on your Twitter. You you uh, posted those. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know which character I wish I would have been able to. Animate. Didn't you want to do uh, like a little bit of two D with you know Spider Ham or something? Go back to two D stuff. Maybe you know what I, I yeah you know we like yes, but at the same time I I don't feel like I'm I'm a big uh, sort of cartoony guy. Like I feel like we had so many like talented. <laughs> crazy talented like cartoony animators that i don't think i would have done any um any service to the movie but like taking a, a ham shot uh, for myself um <laughs> yeah that's that's one thing that i <clears throat> um it took me a bit to realize but like i know i'm kind of a, i'm an acting animator i'm i'm that's kind of my thing um yeah. and i feel like for a long time i always wanted to like be great at everything. That's kind of maybe what you think, you know, like, oh, my reel needs to have a like, creature and, and whatever and this and that. And I, I I really realized that I'm, this is my strong suit. Like I, I can do fair, decent, presentable animation on, on anything, but I, I'm an actor and I'm um, definitely, this is sort of my, my thing. So being able, like Sony doesn't really have, didn't usually have a lot of movies with, with so much performance on them like this one. So being able to work on stuff like that uh, was just amazing to me, and I, like I didn't like I was just so happy with being able to do that that I don't think anything any of of the other cool stuff that was happening in the movie was cutting my catching my attention, you know. Nice. Um, what was your favorite character from the film story wise? Like Miles. Art, uh, <laughs> yeah, Miles again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, he's he's a little artist. He's a little artist kid who's you know scared to to do what he needs to do, and he has to come to terms with the idea of facing his fears. I mean, how how could that not be more? Um, but I just told you like <laughs> yeah. half an hour ago. Um, what was the worst criticism you received on the film before it came out, and was a success? Hmm. Um, so um, I think. The uh, would you mean the worst criticism? Because if it didn't come, if it didn't come out, no one has seen it. Like the worst criticism. Yeah, before it, before it came out, like I, I don't I don't know if that means like from a director or supervisor or somebody who gotcha. saw it at screening or something like that. Yeah, um, I feel like the 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 worst criticism we had. Well, I mean, going back to the early early tests before we even redesigned the characters i did a test with an old design for gwen um and the result of that test was we need to redesign the whole thing so oh um, i didn't take it personally but you know um the we, we did some tests and the the answer was uh yeah this isn't working um so that was uh and, and they moved me on to the emoji movie until they had uh, you know shots to uh, like new designs to figure out so in my head, it was like, oh, I, I screwed it. <laughs> I broke it, and now they don't want me anymore. You, you um, knew you were going back on Spider-Verse, though, right? It wasn't like I, you were. I, I didn't at the time. I mean, I Oh, no. Because I, 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 no I, I didn't even know for sure if, if it was happening or not. Because, mm. I mean, at the time, like, I, they didn't tell me much. Like, well, you, you're doing a test. Um, it's not like they're telling you, well, now they're bidding, and the studio is, you, you have no idea what's happening behind the scenes if they're, actually doing the movie or not of the like there's so many things that can you know happen so all i knew was i did a test and they liked some of it but but most of it, it like it showed them what not to do in a lot of ways oh okay um, so that's, that's... they are redesigning the characters 
Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I knew that the, the supervisor liked me and it, like he would, I, I assumed he would put me on it, but I didn't know for sure. Like, yes, you're coming back once we have this. Um, so, so how long did you work on the Emoji movie for then? Uh, I think three or four months. Oh, Maybe wow. Okay. Months, yeah. that's, a, that's a long time to, to be ambiguous about Spider-Verse, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, to be fair, too, like at the time, it wasn't Spider-Verse as it is now. It was like right, right. an animated was... Spider-Man that, of course, I was very, very um, happy to be on, and I really wanted to be on that. But do you no one get, knew what it would do be. you get yeah. test requests like that quite frequently at Sony? Like, are they always sending out little pitches and tests to people? Um, I think every show um, starts off with a little bit of that. Um, I don't know, like this whole thing of like doing a test as kind of a proof of concept kind of thing as like, we are trying something new, so let's see how it works. Mm. Um, I don't think, I think they do that uh, with, with shows that have like specific new styles. Um, but I, I don't know if that's like a very, very common thing. Um, Spider-Verse is the only one I've ever worked, uh, worked on like that. And I feel like on other t uh, tests like that that I've seen, we're already like the show has been greenlit and it's happening. We're just, you know, finding it as, as we go along. Um, but yeah, I don't know, <laughs> I guess okay. sometimes. Um, the next question you've already kind of answered, it was just, did you predict the movie's success beforehand? So I don't know if you want to add yeah, anything to that. Um, uh, oh. Yeah, I was just scared. <laughs> two, two years of, of being frightened. Gotcha, yeah. Uh, the next question is, what kind of witchcraft did they use to create the masterpiece that is the Spider-Verse? So did you use any witchcraft, I guess? Uh, I don't think we had any witchcraft. Uh, we 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 had a there lot wasn't of a tools. department of witchcraft. <laughs> yeah, I think they 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 were available for this one. Um, Just really yeah, talented. I, I I can take a little bit of credit for a little bit of the witchcraft because I did develop. I, I wrote a couple of tools that we use in animation that I'm nice. very proud of because um, I, my knowledge of scripting isn't uh, up to like the pipeline department level, but I was I was able to do some scripts that we used so. No witchcraft, but some some programming. Cool. Um, how did you come up with a final look while both being unique and practical from a budgetary standpoint? So I guess were there mm. were there times where you you got uh, pushback and saying you know this is too much, or you said you got a lot of yeses, so maybe that wasn't um, an issue. But I don't know. Yeah, I feel like um, well, I don't have to deal with. Luckily, I don't have to deal with budget um, as much. That, that's uh, on the supervisor and production. Um, we, I don't, I don't think we ever got like a no, don't do it. This is too expensive. Um, we did have like we, we we did have some times where we were not meeting you know quota, which animation was just going too slow. Uh, the team ended up being the, the biggest team we ever had uh, at Imageworks, um, and I don't think that was the plan originally. Um, but other than that, I don't, I don't, um, luckily my job is not to make it uh, efficient for, for money purposes, but to make it look good <laughs> and efficient right. for like production purposes in the sense that like every, every animator can, can do it and we can have like a, um, you know, a standard look and, and people are not like having things look off model or like the style is all over, all over the place. That's as, as far as, uh, production ready uh, I have to think about when I'm you know 
um, developing side. Gotcha. Um, were there any concerns with some scenes being visually uncomfortable because of the style and everything? For instance, the final fight scene has like blobs and buildings and stuff flying around and it can be very confusing as to what's going on, but it's also done very, uh, like I, you don't feel confused when you're watching it, but were there concerns about stuff being visually uncomfortable? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I think uh, most of the times it was just a lot of back and forth between, because in animation, you're not seeing the final look, you're just seeing things move in, in Maya in a like gray sort of environment. And it's sometimes hard to assess whether something will be like really strobe a lot or, or you know, smooth or, or whatever. So I think it was a lot of back and forth. I mean, there was a lot of concern about that because we didn't want people to have, you know, headache while watching the movie. Um, so there was a lot of back and forth between animation and lighting, especially at the, at the beginning where we were like, putting out stuff in animation, technically call it, calling it done, but then waiting until it was lit and, and, and calmed to see how, how it actually looked and, and learn from that. And eventually, uh, yeah, it, eventually we, we knew the things that worked best and, and what, what kind of caused issues in lighting. Um, and that final battle in the collider uh, was a big, uh, yeah, question mark of like, we, we think it's going to work, like it's worked in other sections of the movie and um, this shouldn't be an exception, but at the same time, it's really crazy. Um, and I think it was, yeah, it was just uh, moving along with with um, with care and, and with caution and just trying to make sure that everything was working. But at the same time, we did it in, in like in quite a, quite a rush. So <laughs> it was a nice little balance of get it done. But make it look right. But get it done now. But you know, <laughs> which was fun. You know, not stressful at all. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, what kind of pro what kind of problem solving skills or abilities helped you during the creation of the film? Um, so I guess did you do research? Did you look at other films? Did you reach out to to like specialists or uh, I don't know? What was your problem solving uh, process? I guess. Yeah, yeah, I feel like uh, we, we did look um, a lot into uh, 2D stuff, um, 2D, um, like flat shaded 3D stuff. Uh, we, we, we really did a lot of research on how other people solved um, stuff on tools and even like just a graphic look, because um, it's not just about um, having it in tools that makes it look graphic. There's just like a, so many other things that we ended up having to uh, implement. Um, like not having like um, a lot of arcs in, in movements because um, it's something that you don't do when you're drawing it. Um, like if, you, if you're doing 2D, unless you're like James Baxter um, or Sergio Pablos, like you, you can't draw like half a degree of rotation on a head and have that drawing perfectly reflect that angle. You're just drawing like, you're going from a roughly front view from a roughly three quarter view and like in the middle, you're just, moving features around a bit, but you, you're never like perfectly doing your full um, rotation. Um, Cause you, you, we don't have you know, the, the drawing skills for that. Um, but in 3D, you can totally do it. And, and those perfect rotations tend to look very computer-y. Um, so we, we analyzed a lot of that stuff. So we, we uh, could understand what, what, what kind of stuff we needed to do, what kind of stuff we needed to avoid. Um, and we looked a lot into comic books, especially for, um, inspiration on smears and 2D lines and, uh, you know, motion lines. Um, yeah, we did a whole bunch of, of uh, research 
Um, as for problem solving skills, uh, I don't know if I had to like develop specific problem solving skill. I, I know we ended up uh, relying a lot on just trial and error and, and, and not trusting what, what our idea of what would work uh, was, was uh, before seeing it. Because a lot of the time, a lot of times we would just uh, convince that the right way to do something was X. And then and, until we tried X, we realized it didn't work at all. Um, so I think we ended up rely, relying a lot on just uh, experimentation and testing and actually making sure that even though you have, even though you have an idea of how things are going to look, actually do it and make sure it does. Um, and more times than none, uh, at least my ideas of how things would work uh, were totally wrong. Hmm. I, I mean, that's sounds like you did a, a lot of things. Um, last last question here, um, because I mean, you're you're a lead animator at at Sony, which is not, like it's no joke. It's a very ambitious and you know, I would say sought after role because not everybody is a lead animator and there's tons and tons of people who are trying to get into the industry every year and, and working their way up. So if somebody were to want to become a lead animator at a major studio, what would you tell them to focus on in their career? No matter what stage they're in, maybe like uh, for me, like a student or for somebody who's even working at a studio right now and trying to work their way up. Yeah, I feel like um, the, the um, I mean, of course you want to be a good animator. Um, you, you, you know, you want to be, the best animator you can be. Um, I think that a big difference and a thing that, that helps uh, sell you as a lead um, is just being helpful to your supervisor. So that's really what, what, what the job is in a way. Like uh, the supervisor will have you know, a team of leads so that, that he can trust or she can trust that that, that will do the, the work for them uh, and carry a lot of the, the heavy weight. And, and to know that they can trust you by giving you directions and that you understand what what the idea is and what the direction is and what what the style is, and you can just you know take it up from there and give notes. Um, so I feel like it's really about being uh, easy to communicate um, and and just trustworthy. Know that you're not gonna be you know, you're just gonna be professional. You're gonna take notes. Uh, for what they are and understand that your job is to make the movie better and to keep people happy and you're not going to cause any issues with other animators. You know, to, that, that's kind of like the, um, the main thing you, you need, I feel like. Uh, just be you know, positive and understand that your job is to help people, uh, either your, the, your bosses or, or the animators on your team. Nice. Well, I, I feel like I've picked your brain enough so far. <laughs> do you have anything you want to add or questions or anything do you want to add at this point? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I think we, we, we've gone through <laughs> yeah, like, quite, a, quite a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, no, this was great. Um, thank yeah. you. Thanks for... Well, yeah, thank you so, so much for um, for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time and it's been extremely insightful, um, especially hearing you know, kind of the ups and downs of your journey and how not just you worked on technical skills, but also kind of your emotional state and how that kind of changed your work and attitude towards things. So this has been really amazing. I feel very happy to have had this chat with you. Um, so thank you for, for coming on and being here. Thanks, man. Yeah, my pleasure. It was uh, super nice. So yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs>
Great. Uh, now, just before we go, if you would like to get in touch with Humberto, you can do so by adding him on LinkedIn uh, by just searching Humberto Rosa or following him on Twitter, which is his handle is at HF underscore Rosa. And that's all for now. Thank you for listening. Okay, bye.